Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. All right, I was, I was saying that uh, Jennifer is a great example of what I want to talk about this morning. What I mean by that is uh, I've known Jennifer for many, many years. I met her, oh, I don't know, it had to have been, it was well over 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and I've watched her just take more and more land, more and more territory in the spirit. I've watched her develop her skill set and continue to grow and be used by the Lord on a wider and a wider platform. And uh, it just blesses my heart to see how God's used her. But the fact is, that's God's will for every one of us. God wants us to continue to take territory. Where you are at today, well, let me put it this way. Who you are today is not sufficient for you to take the ground God has for you tomorrow. So you need to grow into your future. And if you're not always growing, if you're not always expanding, if you're not stretching yourself, then you are going to miss what God has for you. Let me, let me read you an interesting little couple verses here. Many of you are very familiar with this. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. None of us can brag that we saved ourselves. It takes God to love God. Before God visited us, we were enemies of God. It literally takes God to love God. The only reason we ever pursued God is because he first pursued us. Theologians refer to that as prevenient grace, grace before saving grace, grace that awakened our heart to desire him. And so he awakened us and drew us to him. But he goes on to say this. It's not by works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in, him, walk in them. He prepared them in advance. So the idea is this. You're not saved by works, but you're saved for works, and you are God's workmanship. God made you as his workmanship so that you could fulfill good works. And he has these good works prepared in advance. There is a hole in human history waiting for you to fill it. There is a U-shaped hole that is perfectly designed to your skill set that is waiting for you to arrive. Now the tragedy is that some people arrive to their future unprepared. They're unprepared for the prepared works. God prepared works for them, but because they don't cooperate with God in the present, when they arrive in their future, they're unprepared for the future God's prepared for them. And to be unprepared for the place prepared for you is a tremendous tragedy. God wants to grow us into our future. He wants to stretch us. I, I was, uh, while we were on vacation this week, I was thinking back about something the Lord had spoke to me. And so I, I, would, I searched my hard drive over and over and finally found it yesterday. But I want to read you a few things here. New opportunities will always trigger old insecurities. Let's just let that settle for a moment. New opportunities will always trigger old insecurities. 
And in that moment when those insecurities rise, we have an opportunity to either confront them and move into our future, grow out of those old insecurities and just adopt new ones because we're always dealing with insecurities. Or we surrender to them and theologize and find some theological justification to stay where we're at. There's a lot of believers that settle and plateau for where they're at because they don't want to face their internal insecurities. While external doors open, internal fears will rise up. Your unfinished business sits at the threshold of your next season. These fears must be faced in order to occupy your future. Let me read it again. New opportunities will always trigger old insecurities. While external doors open, internal fears will rise up. Your unfinished business sits at the threshold of your next season. Those fears must be faced in order to occupy your future. In order to expand your, in, your external influence, you must face your internal limitations. And so God has works prepared in advance for you that you should walk in them. But in order for you to step into those works prepared in advance, you have to grow on the inside so that you can occupy that external space, so that you can walk in those works. And this is a huge thing. God willing, we're gonna deal with this for a couple of weeks because there's too much to deal with this morning. But one of the ways, one of the Components, one of the dynamics of the transformation that we have to go through in order to enter into our future is connected to our relationships. And the fact is, not everybody will go with you into your future. There are people that will make the decision not to take the journey with you. And you have a decision to make. Will I follow God into my future and become the person I was intended to be? Or will I value this relationship over the will of God? And will I stay limited to the old me so, because that is what those old relationships want? There are some people that don't want to know the new you that is emerging. There's some people that are not interested in taking the journey with you. They are hitched to the old you. They are hitched to your old insecurities because your old insecurities fit theirs. And they're not interested in knowing the new you without those insecurities because it will challenge their insecurities. And so we have a decision to make. Now the fact is sometimes when we, God begins to deal with us and take us into new things, us entering into those new seasons and we need to have the right attitude when we do that, sometimes we will be the catalyst to pull others into their new season and vice versa. Sometimes the way we know the pathway into our future is because we're connected to somebody else that is a step ahead of us. But it's gonna demand that we change in order to stay in relationship with them. And this dynamic that I'm talking about, we'll talk about this in, in the coming weeks, God willing, I think he is, but this dynamic is a huge and often undiscussed element of spiritual transformation. And so as we grow, our relationships have to grow. And sometimes when our relationships grow, it means that some relationships go. 
Some will fall off. And there's a tension in those times. There's some people that won't take the, seat, the journey with us. And, and I've watched people refuse their future to keep hold of old relationships that they've actually outgrown. And the fact is, they'll lose the territory that they began to gain and settle back into those old patterns. A major part of God's transformative power comes through the avenue of your relationships. Your relationships will place a demand on you. Your relationships will actually be the first thing that exposes the need for you to change. <laughs> Ever been there? You don't know your need until some relational conflict arises and you begin to realize, I've got an issue here. And so this is a huge issue. We'll get into this in other weeks, so we'll, we'll stop with the relationship stuff because be, it'll be heavy enough this morning without that one. We often sabotage ourselves from growth as we step into new things, a job, a ministry opportunity, new relationships, whatever, we are initially out of our depths, and rightly so. If your new thing is something that you can already occupy comfortably, it ain't a new thing. You're not stretching yourself enough. So at, initially it's overwhelming, but over time we begin to occupy our new territory. It becomes manageable. It's then that new opportunities will arise. The way of God is to give us new territory, have us conquer, and then govern it well, only then to get, once again expand our borders, once again taking us outside our comfort zone. See, this, all this talk about a kingdom, this is the nature of a kingdom. Kingdoms want to expand. Kings are zealous to expand their rule. And our king, King Jesus, is more zealous than anyone you've ever met to expand his rule. He is hungry to expand his rule in the earth and in your soul. He wants every square inch of you. And he knows what's in you better than you do. We'll get to that in a moment. This, by the way, is the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul says, we don't labor in another man's field. He said, but we're going, to, we're going to pour into you guys, and as you grow, then it'll cause us to grow, and then God will allow us to preach the gospel beyond you. What Paul's talking about is the expansion of his metron. There's two Greek words there in that passage, kanon or canon, where we get the word canon, the canon of scripture. You've heard that terminology. It's a measurement. And metron, where we get the word metric, metron. It's a measurement of authority. And both of these terms are used in that passage in 2 Corinthians. And it's talking about measures or allotments or delegations of influence in territory. Your territory can be geographic. It can be demographic. It can be spiritual. It can be physical. There are spheres and realms of authority. And they all interact and overlap. And God will give you influence in a given area. And Paul is talking about how to expand that influence. And there needs to be something inside of you that hungers for greater influence with your life. That is not a bad thing. Selfish ambition is something to be conquered. But godly ambition should be fueled. 
There needs to be something in us that wants to join our king in the expansion of his kingdom. That we we cry, Lord, use me to expand your kingdom. And we need to understand how to expand our influence, to expand our authority. And the way you expand your influence and the way you expand your authority is not some arbitrary random thing. Let me just pause here. One of my great concerns for our nation and for the church is this godless, anti-Christ, socialist idea. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir by and large, but we may not realize how far this insidious philosophy has encroached in our own souls. We look at it as governmentally, we can recognize it often, but we don't recognize it spiritually. One of the marks of socialism, this godless idea, is that the problem is always outside of me, that I'm a victim of somebody else's decisions. But the kingdom, as at an antithesis, is directly contrary to that type of thinking. Because in the kingdom, the kingdom of God is within you. And you carry the change that you so desire. It simply needs to be cultivated within you to be released from you. You are not a victim of somebody else's decisions. God has, Jesus is the king of kings. And the reason he's the king of kings is because he's the king of us who are kings and priests. And you are a king who rules over a domain called your life. And just like the emperors of old, they were known as kings of kings, and they would have vassal kings, and they would delegate patches or or realms of their kingdom to a vassal or a servant king, and that servant king was then given full authority to do whatever he wanted, with one exception, he had to pay his dues to the king. And he would answer to the emperor, and the emperor would be a king of kings. Caesar was such an emperor. Herod and Pilate were vassal rulers. And so when Jesus launches his kingdom, and he said, the kingdom of God is upon you, and then he says to his disciples, fear not, little flock, for I have given you a kingdom, all of this would have been familiar ideas and language to them. But it isn't to us. The fact is, God has, we are part of the kingdom, but God has given you a kingdom that is part of the kingdom. And we are to rule under his authority and release his will and his authority. And so God has given you influence and there needs to be something, this zeal inside of you, this passion. I want to unleash everything God put in me for his glory. And the tragedy, you know that we we talk about there's no tears in heaven, that's not true. There are tears initially and he will wipe them away. But the purpose of those tears will be looking at the unfulfilled potential of our lives. When God We stand before the king and we realize what we could have done and could have been and could have accomplished. And we look at what we did do and we did become. And the difference between those two will be the measure of our disappointment and the source of our tears. 
And so God wants us to realize that we are not victims, we are not, we are not pawns being thrown about by external circumstances. We are agents of his kingdom. And the reason we're still here after salvation is we are to pray and do. We are to live this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And those are not mere words. Those are to be the marching orders of our life. That his kingdom comes and his will is done in every facet of our life. And there is hidden potential within each of us. Your destiny lies outside of your comfort zone. Just let that settle. Your destiny lies outside of your comfort zone. This is one of the reasons why we are on the verge of the church's finest hour. Because there's upheaval. And this is when the church thrives. Your destiny lies outside your comfort zone. If you demand comfort, you will forfeit destiny. If we don't learn to live uncomfortable, we will atrophy. We either grow or die. We either venture out or begin to plateau and then decline. We were created for the ascending life, for going, from going to glory to glory. In looking for this document, I came across another one. It's, it was interesting. Plants begin to blossom when transplanted into larger containers. Fruit begins to unexpectedly emerge due to the opportunity for roots to stretch wider. We grow into our container. We expand into our metron. Therefore, times of transition are times of tremendous growth. I talk about Jennifer. I, I remember Jennifer was working at Teen Challenge in the women's ministry. And then she went back into nursing. And all of a sudden, there was an opening in a pro-life clinic. And Jennifer ended up moving in there. And then she began to lead. And then, you know, she went back into nursing for a short season. And they tapped her for this wider influence. Now, not only nationally, but internationally, she's reaching in with influence for the pro-life movement. But I guarantee you, all those, they had a beautiful home in town here. Just, just finished the basement. I've seen some of you in that basement at some of the great parties and all the great food. It was a beautiful home. And they had to sell that, pick up, and move to Omaha to fulfill this assignment. But God is continually expanding, and that's how things work. Times of transition are times of tremendous growth. I, I remember, I worked at Teen Challenge for 14 years. And I, I had this... This understanding that whenever God finally calls me on from this place, I'm going to really start being uncomfortable and growing because I had been there so long, I knew how to do my job. And I knew when God gets me on. So I become a pastor. I had never run a board meeting. God bless our elders. They are wonderful people. Because I would say, we'd be in a board meeting and I'd say, guys, is this where I say that thing, all in favor? Yeah, yeah, that's what you say, Pastor. Okay, all in favor, aye, aye. Opposed? Yeah, that's what you say. Opposed, carried. They just, they worked with me. I, okay, I'll tell you something disturbing. I had never paid a light bill. I had never paid a water bill. The only bill I'd ever paid was rent. And that was years earlier. I I was a homeless alcoholic, went to Teen Challenge, went to Bible school where I had a dorm room, went back to Teen Challenge where they just housed me. 
And all of a sudden, at 37 years old and six kids, I land in Ankeny. And I'm not only gonna have to start paying bills for my own household, but for a church. I'm gonna tell you, it was a bit uncomfortable. 37 years old. I had to grow into it. But it threw me on God, and it was a time of great growth. And I can st- I'm still feeding off the revelation I received during that tumultuous time. Transition is, t- is a time of tremendous growth, but initially the container is bigger than the plant. Whereas a plant is ready for transition, whereas a plant that is ready for transition has been stifled by its environment, once transplanted, it feels dwarfed by its new environment. It feels like a mistake has been made. The environment is way too vast for the size of the plant. Christy, hopefully you're feeling that a little with your new responsibilities. But you're another one. You're feeling like, man, this is way out of my league. No, it isn't. God has works prepared in advance, and there were things he did in your life before when he opened that door. You feel like a little plant in a big pot, but no time at all. There's going to be all kinds of fruit, and you're going to grow into your pot. Hallelujah. The very container that once provided an environment for growth eventually becomes a limitation. A good gardener understands that eventually a plant is limited by its container and therefore plans a move. Promotion expands our metron. This expansion allows for greater growth. But it is others who will enjoy the sight of the flowers and the taste of the fruit. The plant itself simply goes into a time of growth. Isn't that the truth? Man, you're you're struggling and everybody else is eating the fruit. This is great. Yeah, you can say that. You're eating. I'm stretching. Once a plant is transplanted, it requires extra nourishment. This often comes in the form of manure. (laughs) That'll preach. Our roots are covered in what seems like waste, but in the wisdom of God, nothing is wasted. In fact, the compost of the last season becomes the fuel for the next. Being transplanted is hard, but it's the path to fruitfulness and new beauty. Once we surrender step out and go for it, we enter into new territory which will demand new skills. God always leads us into situations which will place a demand on what he has already put in us. The only way for that to be called out and develop is for us to step out and place a fresh demand upon it. Breakthrough must be followed by stewardship. Fresh encounters by a resolution to steward these well. This demands we live for a time beyond our abilities. These are times of tremendous growth. The limits on our life are more internal than they are external. And to the degree that you don't believe that statement is to the degree that you need a mind renewal. And it may even be an indication that the spirit of this age, that insidious socialistic lie has begun to take root in your life. Your greatest limitations are not outside of you, but inside of you, between your own ears. And the the, the initial breakthrough takes place here before it takes place out here. You are the breakthrough. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. You carry the answer. But we need the breakthrough inside before we see it outside. Our greatest limitations are our internal views of ourself and of God. 
Windows of opportunity open, but they are always connected to time and to relationships. If we don't seize them, they pass. Most often, it is some fear that causes us to forfeit these chances, to hesitate and miss the momentary opportunity before the window closes. Your future will demand new relationships. These new relationships will demand you view yourself differently. Your relationships, okay, I said I wasn't going to get into this, but I'm just going to touch on this, and we'll get into this more in the coming weeks. But the fact is, your relationships are a mirror of yourself. When you look in the mirror, you see a reflection of you, and your relationships act as a mirror as well. That's why it's really important, those of you who are single, get whole before you start to date and get married, because you're going to marry somebody that is your level of maturity. That scares you good. (laughs) So get whole and get healthy, and you'll attract the right people. And ladies, okay, I'm going to get metal here for a minute. Ladies are notorious for marrying potential, okay? (laughs) Not all potential will be realized, ladies. There's an old saying, men marry a woman, hope she'll never change, and women marry a man, hoping they will. Uh, neither one of those are reality, okay? So, yeah, now I'm meddling. Okay, let's pull out of that one. Most often, okay, your future will demand new relationships. Those new relationships will demand you view yourself differently. Because the way you view you will determine the type of people you attract. Healthy people attract healthy people. This thing of Prince Charming, this well-adjusted, wealthy, young ruler being attracted to Cinderella, the girl who lives among the cinders, you know, she's dejected and abused and, and, uh, you know, coming from a dysfunctional, abusive environment, that is, there's a reason that's called a fairy tale, okay? Now, I'm not saying Cinderella can't get herself a fella. She can grow into that, but she needs to grow before... You know, and hey, we, we all know that some princes are, they look better in public than they really are behind the scenes and they're dysfunctional too. I'm just saying that your relationships, we'll put it this way. My wife, when I was praying for a wife, I, I, there came a time in my life I thought, because the Lord spoke to me and I knew it had to be Jesus. I was 19 years old, okay? And the Lord said this to me, you are not to date until you are perfectly satisfied with a woman, without a woman in your life. Because otherwise, you will try to fill with the woman what only I can fill, and I cannot bless your idolatry. Now, as a 19-year-old kid, I didn't think that way. I knew that was God. It sure wasn't the devil, and it sure wasn't me. And so I made a commitment, okay, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, put that, like you did with Adam, put me to sleep until you, ha- you can... Pull, you know, bring my rib. <laughs> Put me to sleep until that time. And there came a time where I, I thought maybe I'll be single the rest of my life, and I was good with that. And then something began to awaken, and I began to have a desire to get married. And I went to these all-night prayer meetings, and I saw this young mission student. She was a beautiful girl, but she prayed. I mean, two of my checklists. Okay, I, you know, I wasn't totally spiritual, okay? And... Uh, so I met Kathy at a frozen yogurt shop, and 
lo and behold, she laughed at my jokes, which is a rare thing. I mean, you know, you better grab it where it's there because there's not a lot of people laugh at my jokes. So what I didn't realize, I was attracted to her spiritually. I was attracted to her physically. But the part I didn't realize is I was also attracted to her soul. And some of that wasn't good. That's not a knock on my wife. We were just young. But her unresolved issues fit mine. And so we meshed very well until one of us would start growing. And the other one had a vested interest in saying, calm down now. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up for the dysfunctional you, not the healthy one. Because the healthy one will demand I have to change. Be careful. So I, we'll get into more of that later. That's a shameless plug for the weeks to come. Those new relationships will demand you view yourselves differently. If you don't adopt new mindsets, then you will not fit in with your future. You will be out of place. I want, I want you to just catch that for a minute. That needs to put the fear of God in you. God, we just read from God's holy word that he created you as his workmanship, his masterpiece, and he created works in advance that you could walk in those works. He has work for you to do. He has a job for you to do. You don't want to arrive to your future unqualified for the job. So you've got to cooperate in the present so that when you arrive in the future, you're ready to do the work. You will be out of place. You will avoid it because you are uncomfortable. You will need a new identity to enter a new season and run with the new people who will open the doors for you. Often, God will use people to open doors for you that you had no idea that you would ever walk through. And a lot of times, it's not even those direct primary relationships. Often it's a side relationship. Someone just in the, the, the regular flow of life, you meet someone and all of a sudden they open a door and things open up to you. But if you're not willing to live uncomfortable, if you're not living with a growth mindset that I have the answers within me in the form of the kingdom and God's going to pull me into my future and I've got to live uncomfortable, I've always got to live stretching and growing, then often we will forfeit those open doors. It's a tragedy to be out of place in the place assigned to you. This will happen if we do not continually face our insecurities. New assignments should always feel beyond your abilities. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Wow, it's late. Who will believe with me for the sun to set stand still like Joshua? Here's a big theological question. If the sun stands still here, how does it affect your crock pot back home? I don't know. Okay. Look at, uh, look at verse chapter 25. We've, we've looked at this parable many, many times. Uh, but it's... With what the Lord's been stirring in my heart, it just it, it really is a good template for us to hang what we're talking about, hang it on this passage. So look at verse one. 
Then, he's talking, chapter 24, he's talking about the end of the age. This time, as the end draws near, there's gonna be this dynamic. He says, then, when, at the end of the age, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Now, we do know that the end times started at Pentecost. Because at Pentecost, Peter said, this is that. And the last days, and he, he quotes that verse and points to the happenings around him. So the last days begin at Pentecost, okay? So we're in the last days. Well, however long those are gonna be, that's not what we're preaching on today. So this applies to us. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took, out, took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So he gives this parable. It's a wonderful parable, but it's not the one we're looking at today. Then look at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey. What is it? He's giving us a second installment or a second parable to share with us what the kingdom of heaven will be like, the kingdom of God will be like at the end of the age, which we're living in. Matter of fact, I would propose to you, I would make the argument that as we near the second, the, the, the return of Christ, the dynamic we're looking at here will only increase. It will get more intense there's going to be this, path, this template, this way that God interacts with his people. That if we understand, we can cooperate as he operates. There's something that God's doing here. So it says, for it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. So just so we're clear, what, what is the kingdom of heaven like? A man who calls his servants together. So in other words, the way this man operates, the, the, the way he interacts with his servants embodies the kingdom of heaven. If you want to understand how the kingdom of heaven works, understand this parable. Because in understanding it, it unlocks the secrets of the kingdom. So he goes on. It would be like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. And so what happens here is this, let me find my document here, this, this master, my computer's wigging here, this master is gonna go on a long journey. So he calls his servants to them and he divides his property among them. And this is a picture of the kingdom. God entrusts his property with you and I. And you need to really understand your portfolio, your holdings, you know, your investment portfolio. What has God entrusted to you? And are you leveraging it well? You think, well, what do you mean by that? Read the rest of the parable. He entrusted his property to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And then listen to, this is the controlling factor. This, this is a principle of the kingdom. That he did it according to his ability. In other words, God gives you initially what you're able to steward. So whatever you have right now, you are already able to steward that. What you've been given is according to your ability. That alone is an affront to the spirit of this age. One of the primary value systems of the kingdom is this idea of stewardship. 
Let me just say it really clear. God is not concerned with equality. We don't all start the same. But lest we begin to charge him as being a, you know, a mean, hard taskmaster, everybody gets something. And here's the case, here's the, here's the fact. It's not what you begin with that is, is the, the challenge. It's, it's what you do with it. Because if we read on here, the guy with five talents becomes a ten-talent guy. And the guy with three talents becomes a five-talent guy. And the guy with one talent becomes a no-talent guy. And it's because of how they stewarded what God gave them. God deals with us according to our present ability. Let me put it this way. There is a difference between ability and potential. Your ability speaks of what you can do right now. It's what you can, that's what you can handle right now. And God deals with you according to your ability. But he always gives you something that can be multiplied into more. And as you grow it, it grows you. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he's telling us how to expand his influence, his territory. He's saying, I'm not going to preach in another man's field. I'm not going to say, well, why does that guy have a bigger ministry? Why does, why does the apostle Peter get to write a book? You know, it, it is, Paul's not thinking about all that stuff the way we do. Paul is saying that the way I'm going to expand my territory, I love one translation calls it a fence line. And so it has the idea of you've been given a field and you have a fence line around your field and how do I grow my fence line? How do I expand the borders of what God will entrust to me? It's not by trying to get more, it's by being really faithful with what I already have. And so Paul says, I'm going to pour into you, and as you grow, you'll place a demand on us, which will cause us to grow, and I'll eventually outgrow the field. He's going he's to be a plant that outgrows the pot. And so faithfulness is the key. It's not, it's not about saying, well, why does somebody else get five talents and I only got one? The key is, if I've got one, I can grow this into 30 it's not about, see, the, the mindset that looks externally and say, it's not fair. I got left out. The, I am a victim of external circumstances. You are missing the point. The kingdom of God is within you. The rule of God lives with inside of you. And God has given every one of us potential. But potential and, and ability are two different things. Ability has to do with where you're at right now. What can you do now? Potential is future possibility. One's ability, one's possibility. Your potential is what you need to be concerned about. Lord, how do I steward my present ability to unlock my future potential? Because there's going to come a time where every one of us are going to stand before the burning eyes of King Jesus who gave it all for you and I. And we're going to give an account, not for who we are, but who we were supposed to be. Yes. We're going to stand before him and give an answer for what our assignment was. And that's why there's going to be tears in heaven. We're going to look and we're going to be heartbroken that we don't have a greater crown to lay at his feet because we gave in to some internal fears 
and these internal insecurities and these beliefs that I can't do it. And the fact is, you wouldn't be where you're at if you couldn't do where, what you have right now. He's given us the ability to steward. Let's read on here. It's an amazing passage. So everyone was given according to their ability. Don't get hung up on people getting to start with more than you do. It's not where you start, it's where you end that you'll be judged by. Now, let me just pause here because some people say, well, I thought we don't get judged. Jesus took the judgment. He took the judgment for your sin so that your entry into the kingdom of heaven is free. But your rank when you arrive there is earned. Let me say it very clearly. Your entrance is free. Your rank will be earned. It's what you do with what he gave you that will determine the rank your holdings in heaven. It's not about whether you have five or ten when you begin. It's what did you do with what he gave you? Did you multiply it? Did you take what he put within you and continually multiply that? My son Nathaniel asked me on the way to church. He said, Dad, what are you going to preach on? I, told, I said, well, Matthew 25, and I told him the parable. He said, let me run this by you. He said, let me see if I got this. And he told me, and I said, exactly. And I told him, it's, I said, it's like you. You've got, the kids had music in them since he was a little kid. I mean, when he was three and four, he, he could play the drums. Someone told me they were watching him on the front row, and he'd be like, they said, get him some drums. He's hitting all the drums right. I said, are you real? Put him in some drums, and he played. Perfect. I thought, wow, it's already in him. That is Potential. But he's taking drum lessons from his youth pastor. He's learning sound. He's volunteering to sit back and learn sound. He's got to put work to unleash what God has put in him. And a lot of people, see, the danger of being somebody that is so gifted you don't have to work at it is that doors will swing wide early on. And you will pass, you will, out of the gate, you leave all your peers in the dust. But the danger of it is, is your gifting will take you where your character can't keep you because you never had to exercise character to get there. And I've seen it again and again. Come around 30, 30 years old, their peers begin to catch up and pass them up. And people to whom things come easy often are shooting stars in their youth and they never amount to much in their older age. Because they never learned the discipline of having to work and, and bring out that potential. Now, there are a few people. Nathaniel and I were talking about Kobe Bryant. Natural talent, great work ethic, and some circumstances just aligned, and he became a great one. But a lot of, there, I'm telling you, there are a lot of Kobe Bryants out there that never made it to the NBA because they didn't put in the work. They were naturally talented. And there's others that weren't so naturally talented that put in a lot of work and made it to the NBA. They weren't ever a Kobe Bryant, but they played well. And so we need to know the works prepared in advance. What has God put within us? What is the potential? And cooperate with that. Oh my goodness, it's 11.59. Okay, here's what happens. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he 
utilized what was given him. Okay, so he put it to work. He traded with it. He leveraged what God put within him to multiply that. And that's what we need to get. You and I, every one of these servants got something. It says later on in this passage that the master returned. And here's a frightful statement in the verse. And he came back to settle accounts with his servants. That ought to put the fear of God in us. That what God put within us, he's going to make us give an account for. What did we do with what he put in us? And it says the man with the five talents and the three talents, it says they immediately, they were, they were zealous about this thing. They put it to work. They traded with it. They invested it and they multiplied it. And when the master came to settle accounts, they were able to say, Master, look at what we did with what you entrusted to us. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you have this mutual exchange of respect. They look at him as a, 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 a trusting master, which made them believe in themselves. And he looked at them as good and faithful servants because they multiplied in his absence what he gave them in his presence. And then comes the last one. He said, I knew you were a hard taskmaster who reaps where you don't sow and plants harvests where you cast no seed. You require things of me you never gave me the potential to achieve, is what he was saying. You want things from me, but you never gave me the ability to do them, and that is a lie. And his view of himself came out of his view of the master. He thought the master was a hard taskmaster. And so the master said, you wicked, lazy servant, Spiritual laziness will cause us to bury the treasure. God never called you to simply sit on the resources he put within you so that you could present them back to him at the end of the age. You're to multiply them. And so the master said, take from the one and take it from him and give to the one with ten. You want to talk about contrary to the common politics of today. This guy's like the anti-Robin Hood. <laughs> Rob from the poor and give to the rich. But what it was, and Nathaniel and I were talking about this. We were talking, he works at Chick-fil-A. We we're saying, hey, if you're, if you're a Chick-fil-A owner and you've got a little store and a little town and there's not a great pool of people to draw from, but you got a manager there that's able to bring greatness out of this ragtag group and they're performing well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna transfer him to a wider, a bigger store and a wider venue and you're gonna keep promoting him up the ladder. Why? Because he's gonna serve you well. He's gonna increase your interests. And the kingdom of heaven is no different. It's not what you begin with it's what you do with what you have that will determine your future and your holdings. And some of the greatest men and women of God in all of history started out with the least, but they stewarded it well. And God wants us to invest what he puts in us. Let me, okay, it's three minutes after. Stand. I'm going to read you a couple things real quick so you know I'm going to stop. See, it's a psychological thing. That if I have you stand, it will seem like I'm not going as long. You're saying, yeah, pastor, you're not the one standing. How does the kingdom work? God entrusts his property to his servants. God always rules through sons. This, this is biblical cosmology. The reason it's so important 
is because otherwise we buy into this thing that God is orchestrating everything. And so all you have to do is respond and try to keep your heart right. Well, you get the short end of the stick. And, it, and all you have to do, you're, you're just trying to keep your heart right and not get offended with God. And that is not the kingdom. God gives things to us and says, multiply them. He is hungry to see what's in you be unleashed out of you and see you grow and grow and expand in your territory in every facet of life, okay? So he delegates, he grants a servant a season to develop what he delegated and then he calls him to account. Number two, every servant receives something. We all have something to invest in the kingdom. There is not a person in here that doesn't have something. And it's not what you start with, it's what you do with it. There are people that are 10 talent people that will die as nine talent people. And there are one talent people that will die as 100 talent people. Okay, it, they're given according to their ability. The law of the, king, a law of the kingdom is that men and women are given resources according to their ability to steward them. Your present ability is the lid on your promotion. But you can lift the lid through learning more, increasing your ability. Catch that. How do you grow? How do you move into your future? Learn. Find out how to utilize what God has put within you. Be hungry. Pursue relationships that will pull you. Be a good per be an, a person that's easily mentored, but ask questions. Find look for people that are living the life that you want to live. You see things in them. When I was in Teen Challenge, there were certain guys I wouldn't hang around. And I would tell the other students, it's not that I think I'm better. It's I want to be better than what I see coming out of you. Because you're gaming. You're not serious about this thing. Find people that are going where you want to go. Number four, there is a difference between ability and potential. Ability is what you are capable of today. Potential is what you are capable of someday. The key is to develop your ability to invest your resources, put what God put in you to work. Are you using what God has put within you? How? I want you to answer that question for yourself. How are you using what God has put within you? Learning is far more, more than knowledge. You are called to produce fruit. It's not what you start with that determines your reward. It's what you do with it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm asking God this morning, Lord, that you would do a work in our minds. Lord, deliver us from the lies of this world. Help us to realize that we all Every born-again believer in this room stands as a son or daughter before your throne who has been delegated resources. We've been entrusted. And Lord, you've given us what we can handle. But your intention was not that we maintain, but that we multiply. Lord, I ask that you would awaken our hearts, give us a hunger, a desire Increase our influence for you, Lord. Lord, we want to be a people that you're always having to get a new pot to put us in. Always putting us in a new pot. Help us to realize, Lord, that the kingdom of God is within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.